0: Jesus takes Peter and James and John off by themselves. There are a few times when he does this. It's very clear that among the 12, the Lord has in his heart a certain hierarchy. We know that Peter is the leader of them. That's really evident through all the Gospels. But then there are moments like this where the Lord takes Peter and James and John by themselves. Uh, We have something like this when the daughter of Jairus is raised from the dead. Jesus does not take the other nine with him, only these three. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord will call these three a little closer to himself in his agony. So with this, it's not out of the question at all, in fact we know it happens, that this kind of thing leads the disciples to kind of jockey for position. Um, It's very easy for this kind of a thing to bother the other nine and to become a source of pride for Peter, James, and John. This is Matthew chapter 17 and it won't be long after this, at the Last Supper, when we're told that the 12 are arguing among themselves about which of them is the greatest. So for Peter and James and John to go up Mount Tabor, and I can just kind of imagine as the, as the nine are down in the valley, they probably had a little strut maybe, like, yep, see you guys later, because we're going with the master. There, there was a sense of he's clearly calling us to himself in a a way closer than the other nine have. So if if that is at play, then in this moment when the Lord is transfigured and then Moses and Elijah appear, it maybe makes sense then. Peter is just overwhelmed, like he's thrilled. When Jesus is transfigured and then the two great prophets, Moses and Elijah are there, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents, just three do- places to dwell. Let's really let this extend out. Like, this is really, really good that we're here. It seems maybe that Peter was just really caught up in the moment, but, but maybe not all in the best way. Maybe there was pride at work. M- maybe Peter just was thinking, man, if I'm doing this now, like where am I going to rank in the kingdom? We don't know for sure, but, but knowing what else plays out in the gospel, we know this is a battle in all of their hearts. So then what happens in all of this, then, is the overshadowing of this bright cloud. And from the cloud comes the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And with that, we're told when the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. This is not like just a normal human fear, like the kind of fear that, you know, I, like when I was a little kid would have a, of a strange noise in the middle of the night. This is the kind of fear that is that, that healthy, very humbling awareness in the heart of what happens when you know that you're in the presence of Almighty God. This is a gift from the Lord. When we hear fear, we often think it must mean just like that human fear, it's not that. It may register that way at the emotional level a little bit, but this is what happens when one is deeply and profoundly aware of being in the presence of the Holy One and the father's voice i think one way of understanding this the father's voice and what he declares is a corrective for peter and the others if peter in any way was kind of taken up into just the excitement of this moment if in any way he was getting a little bit off track man i'm one of the leaders maybe I rank ahead of all of them. We're having this experience here. The others aren't going to have it. We can't wait to tell them. And perhaps in all of that, it leads the father to say to them very clearly, You need to focus on my son. And so the father's voice, the father doesn't point to himself, but rather, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Let your hearts be focused on him. Peter, whatever else might be spinning around in your head or in your heart, get that out of the way and know you must focus on my son. You must listen to him. So there's a certain corrective here, I think, after they hear the voice, we're told, Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. I, I love that last little bit of the line. No one else but Jesus alone. And that that's... I- that's not just their experience of, wow, where did Moses and Elijah go? I think that gets to the heart of what the Father wanted for them, that that corrective. No matter how you might be getting distracted or pulled off in different directions, no one else but Jesus alone. And I love this because this is such a good word for us in the season of Lent. This whole season is meant to be a time when we can get our, our hearts, the, the eyes of our heart, fixed back where they need to be. And in whatever ways, in the course of just the craziness and the busyness of life, this is the season when the Father says to us, no one else but Jesus alone. There are two ways that we can apply this to, our, to ourselves. One is in the really big picture, of the fact that that for us as Christians, it must be Jesus at the absolute center of everything, not just in terms of our intellectual belief, but in terms of the way that we just live out our faith. I've shared this with you a lot of times in the past, but you know, prior to my own conversion, I I I, I only knew of Jesus as more of just some historical figure. He had never become real enough in my own life that I would even know, like if if a priest said, you know, no one but Jesus alone, that wouldn't have registered because I had not had an experience of the faith that had made him so real up to that point. Like I got all the way up through, you know, close to the end of college before my conversion hit, but I didn't know that that relationship with him could actually take the form of something so real that that I would understand and and would hear Jesus saying to me, Eric, I want to be and I need to be at the center of your life. Not, Not just my commandments. You need to live that out. But not just my commandments and not just kind of the tenets of the faith. But me, a real and living person, the son of God, I want to be and I need to be at the center of your life. And that that reality, as it played out, completely just reoriented and reconfigured the whole of my life. But, but it, it's a battle. Living in the world that we live in, we have to be deliberate about stopping and remembering and letting the Holy Spirit help us remember the big picture. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have life. John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's Jesus the Good Shepherd speaking. So one application of this gospel today no one else but Jesus alone is in the big picture. Lord, help me to know that if your son is not at the center of everything, leading me to you, then my, my, my faith is, it, 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 it maybe is off in a different direction, but it's not everything it's meant to be. So that's one application. I know that sounds vague, but but there really is a beautiful work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, especially in the season of Lent, when we're able to look at Jesus in a new way. For Peter, James, and John, you know, for sure, coming down the mountain, given what they saw of him, there was, in a beautiful way, no going back. His face shone like the sun. His clothing was white as light. You don't unsee that. And so in a beautiful way, they were changed because of that. And I think, Lord, like thank you, Lord, for that, because that that was my own experience in my conversion, was coming to experience the Lord in a way that there was no walking away from it. And the Lord wants that for each of us. These days of Lent are just a really privileged time. For some of you, it's the kind of thing that can happen in, in something that might be a seemingly simple as the sacrament of reconciliation. You know, the Lord does such beautiful healing there in his mercy. But for some of you, it might be that there's a, a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning when you come to confession, and you may not be expecting that the Lord is going to work in, in as powerful ways. way as maybe he ends up working. And you say, you know what? Like, that's one of those moments where because of what he did, I'm different. So all of that is, is one big picture application. The other would be just really practical. During these days of Lent, second Sunday of Lent now, how are you doing on those Lenten disciplines with your prayer, with the, the, the outward bodily things, like with the ways that we're, we're fasting? How are you doing with that so that those things can also give Jesus that that absolutely unique place in your life. So that's just a, it's a question to kind of ask you to kind of invite you to look and check in on your heart, but also the encouragement. Let these days of Lent be that for you. Um, and we all know the particular ways that we that we get distracted, and it's all the stuff that we always hear, but it's it's everything in the media, all the way down to my phone that I can't seem to to get away from as much as I know that I should, and it's all of the distractions that I have, and it's the ways that, that probably, like in an unhealthy way, I pack too much into my day and hope that maybe there'll be a little extra time for Jesus here or there. It's all of that different stuff. And so the practical Lenten application of this gospel, no one else but Jesus alone has got to be, Lord, show me what I need to do to create that space for the Lord so that he is there in the center of my life and where I'm not asking him to compete with with anything else or anyone else. All of that so that we can be kind of with our hearts ordered in the right place, with Jesus at the center, Um, There's no one else like him. There's no other savior. There's no other beloved of the Father. There's no one else who's loved us the way that he has. And so with with a very passionate love, he says, I want to be at the center of your life. And I I don't want to compete with anything else. Don't make me compete. And so it's during these days of Lent that we ask for that grace to cooperate with him, with that passionate love he has, that we might carve out that room for the Lord to be at the absolute heart of everything in our daily life.